Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Posh Report podcast. Today I am joined by Posh fan Neil. How are you doing, Neil? Yeah, very good. Thanks, James. Thanks for um, having me on. No, thanks for coming on. So today we're going to talk a little bit and briefly touch upon uh, Posh's most recent cup games against Oxford and Cambridge. The main purpose of the podcast today is to be looking at some of the fringe players and younger players at Posh and looking at what we learned about them in those games and, and from the bits we've seen them in pre-season and where they're going to feature in the site. Um, so very quickly, we're going to start with a brief overview of the two games. So obviously, Posh beat Oxford 2-1 in the FA Cup on Saturday. Some basic numbers behind the game. So Posh is 45% possession. We're outshot in that game 18-9 to um, and, we're, and had fewer shots on target as well, 7-4. to um, Oxford, as is their way, guilty of making some poor individual errors at the back and uh, having some wasteful finishing. Um, I thought that game really split into four parts. I thought Posh started the game brightly and were with a better team, scored a goal. Um, I then thought the second part of the first half after Posh scored, Oxford were on top as Posh sat back, let them let them play their way into the game. Second half, again, I thought Posh started at a real good tempo, intensity, pressing, scored the goal again, uh, sat off after they got the goal and then allowed Oxford to come back into the game, play their way into the game and look much worse when they were sitting deep in that 4-4-2 shape we saw them. The only difference being Oxford missed their chances this time rather than putting them away. Did you see that game anything differently, any way differently, Neil? I sort of saw it as each team scored when they were on top, except for the final quarter when Oxford couldn't convert. But um, yeah, I, I actually wrote down that I thought that once we went 2-1, because of the way the game then switched, I, I sort of wrote down that there's a air of inevitability about Oxford that they will score eventually because of what had happened in terms of that game pattern, as you've just outlined. But fortunately, we managed to hold on. Yeah, I think Oxford are, are a team who are probably last season were the best team at breaking down a low block in League One. They've not been quite playing at that level, but their biggest weakness is when you press them and is when you get in their face. I remember Rotherham doing a job on them last year and forced them into lots of mistakes. And that 4-0 win last season when Posh Posh did a number of them was due to that high press. Posh pressing less has been a feature of uh, their game. The passes per defensive actions numbers this season are trending at about two lower, so allowing two more passes before putting in a defensive action than they were at the back end of last season, um, when in which included that run against Oxford. And I think we've seen in games typically that when Posh are pressing high, um, they can cause problems. They've been sitting deeper a lot often, and since they've started doing that, Posh's defensive numbers have have got a little bit worse. They are fairly solid in the shape, especially when they're back three. Uh, but those numbers are, are those defensive numbers are starting to creep up and getting a, a little bit worrying. Perhaps that's something we'll touch on on a different day when we've got a different a different focus. Um, how did you see the Cambridge game before I say my bit? Um, well, I didn't I didn't find it quite as entertaining as perhaps some of the commentary that um, that accompanying it um, did. But um, I thought it was interesting. I think it's always good to see these new players and to let them have their freedom to go out and express themselves and see what they're capable of um you can't quibble around the um scoreline at all or you can't quibble around the fact that we conceded albeit the manner of which you probably could have some complaints around um it was a little bit probably in keeping with the oxford game in so much as the performance didn't necessarily match the end result necessarily but um it would have been a good it would have been a good um 
it would have been a good session for a load of these players to get some game time um, under their belt. So from a sort of long-term perspective, I think it definitely served its purpose from a posh um, point of view, um, even if it's led to a likely away game in the next round, certainly. Yeah, I mean, you say you can't quibble about the result. I think you probably could if you're a Cambridge fan and that they should have won the game outright. Um, so, yeah, from a posh point of view, you could have <laughs> yeah, about absolutely. it, but yeah. So, um, don't have the XG numbers from the FA Cup game because White Scout, for some reason, haven't updated that yet. But they have updated it from last night, confusingly. Uh, so, Cambridge had a total of 2.69 XG to Posh's 0.89. Uh, not surprisingly, as Posh's, I think seven of their nine shots came from outside the box. Um, only one shot on target. Cambridge, 18 shots, 13 on target. Um, it was another one where Posh's passes per defensive actions number were really high. I'm trying to load it up now. My internet is being a bit slow. Um, but from memory, it was about 13 and a half, which is, again, up on their average numbers of 12.7 this year. And I thought they, they gave Cambridge a lot of time and space in the ball. And Cambridge ended up making about 450 passes, which is way up on what they would usually make. Um, I thought Posh's defence was defensive shape wasn't as strong as it usually is. I thought they got a lot of joy in behind the wide centre-backs and wing-backs. I thought they had it was too easy for them to play through midfield with Posh sitting more in a 5-3-2 rather than pressing high in a 5-2-3, which we've often, often seen them do. The plus side, despite the overall team performance being relatively poor, I thought there were some really strong individual performances. Um, Flynn Clark especially, we'll talk about, his goal was was superb and showed some great technique. But his goal also kind of summed up the performance in that it took an incredible strike from range rather than Posh, posh breaking, breaking Cambridge down. I thought Posh struggled to, to break down Cambridge, who were well organised. Uh, sat in a 4-4-2, limited space between the lines and made and made life difficult. Um, we will move on. So, as I said, the main purpose is to talk about some of the lesser feature players or younger players. We're going to start with a listener question because I thought this is a brilliant question, a really hard question to answer, but we'll do our best. It comes from Andrew Hinton. He's asked, what's the future for Burroughs, Barker and Carney? Will they ever make it to the first team? Uh, my take on this is I'm probably less bullish than I would have been 12 months ago. In the last 12 months, I think one of those players has improved quite a lot. I think one of those players has stagnated and I think one of those players has gone backwards a little bit. Do you want to hazard a guess as to which three I'd put into, those, into that order? Um, so Barker's the one that has maybe regressed. Um, and then, I don't know, interesting. Because um, Carney, we're obviously seeing in a bit of a different position should we say to what we'd be accustomed to when he was signed and how he's perhaps played initially when he came to the club um maybe burrows stood still carno progressed i've got him the other way um okay i think i think carno really we'll start with carno i think carno really kicked on uh between the 1819 and 1920 season um and then I thought last year, the start of last year, especially in the Johnston painting, when he got a few games in the first team, we saw a completely different player. He looked stronger. He's still got that pace. Technically, he's pretty good, although I think his first touch and his ability to play in, in tight spaces could certainly could certainly improve. But he looked just more ready and, and capable for first team. He was putting in performances which were much closer 
to the performances he put in in the National League, which had uh, persuaded Posh to sign him. And then I know he got injured. And I think since he's come back, lacking that first team exposure, and I think he's beyond development and reserve team football now. I do think he needs first team exposure. I think he's maybe just stood still a little bit. Um, the right wing back role is an interesting one. I know he plays it as a high and he does have the opportunity to get high. But I do think he would be much better suited either to a right wing role or to almost a free central forward role when he can drift wide. Because I think he's at his absolute best in transitions when he's got attack to space to attack out wide. I don't think he gets that as much from right wing back. How have you how have you seen him yesterday and and overall? Yeah, I thought he was really he's really I thought he was strong defensively. He, he, like he trapped back well a couple of times and um, sort of held the Cambridge um, attacker off the ball quite well at times, you know, displaying that sort of physicality that he's got to his game. I just sort of wonder whether, I wonder if we've given up on, well not given up, I wonder if we're, you know, because he has settled into that sort of right wing back role. But what you've said there, and I'm just wondering if because of the struggles, which we might come on to, of, of Moise at top, I wonder if he wouldn't be worth a try back up top. Um, you know, he's got that physicality seemingly a bit more than um, Issa. And whilst Issa might be more, let's say, more natural to, I don't say natural leading the line based on his last few performances, but I'm just wondering whether it, it there's food for thought there in terms of pushing Carno up and letting him um, have a go up there, really, with players running off of him. Because... Um, he does suggest that that physicality, if not technically to hold it up, he might just be a bit more of, I don't know, like pose a few more problems than what Issa does currently. Yeah, I think I think back to goal, he's OK. Um, I think he's better back to goal than Issa is. He's, he's not a Johnson Clark Harris or an Ivan Tony back to goal. He wouldn't use him like that in the striker role. But he can dr- drop in between the lines. We've seen him play... 10, I think it was away at Portsmouth last year. Yeah. So he, he can he can do that between the lines and be more effective than Issa would be between the lines. One. Yeah, so I, I just don't think there's necessarily anything to lose and there's, prob- there's, there's probably a bigger upside to trying him up top, whether it's... Um, yeah, I don't, like, as you were saying there, I mean, like, we, we, I'm not expecting him to be of a Tony or Clark Harris ilk in terms of holding it up and that sort of play but in terms of like giving us something different up top I don't I, I, I think there's probably more upside in trying that as you say like he's he's ready to play he needs to play um, and he could just be a little I don't know wild card for us that could be um, tried further up the pitch in that sort of role yeah I mean Carney Carney's definitely one who if you'd asked me 12 months ago I'd have Having seen him come back and and develop physically, and having having seen the technical ability that he that he can have, and his pace and his power, he'd have been one. I'd have been pretty confident would would have kicked on and and played championship football. Um, I think the issue the issue with him in terms of getting minutes at posh is that if he's playing right wing back, he's behind Ward and Broom. If he's going to play right wing, he's behind Ward and Broom. They don't seem to like playing him up top, although, as you say, I, I think that's not a bad a bad role for him at all because he is someone who has a decent physicality, can run in behind, can, can link play a little bit, but his main strength from there will be drifting wide and especially exploiting space on the counters. But where's, where's his minutes going to come from? 
that's that is the issue. There didn't seem to be much desire to send him out on loan. But I mean, he's he's he was he's ninety nine born, so he's twenty one now. He he needs first team football. I think he's developing a few bad habits. I think he's probably from playing so much development football and not being tested. I think he goes down the line too much. We see him often throwing a step over with his left foot around the ball and then drive down the line. I think he's getting a little bit predictable and because of that. And I think one of the issues when you play a lot of youth and development football is that you can become over-reliant on your power and not develop technically. And I don't think we're seeing him develop that technical ability in tight spaces, even though I think it's something that he could have and should have to his game because he's good enough good enough to do that. Um, when you were saying, sorry, James, when you were saying about um, a player, he's the type of player who 12 months ago you could see kick on and playing in the championship, is that then sort of off the back of when potentially did play away at Portsmouth in that 10 role and that is the sort of role that you would have envisaged him sort of filling um, like upper tier, if you will? I, I don't think he's a 10. I think even before that, so I'm thinking about his early EFL trophy performances um, against the Arsenal and 21 side in Northampton, uh, especially in that Northampton game when I think he's playing on the right of the front two, um, which was still a diamond, I believe, at that time. But just in his powerful running, his dribbling, his ball carrying, he's still putting up decent numbers now. So um, in, in all competitions at Posh, he's averaged seven, uh, sorry, not just at Posh, but in the National League as well. He's averaged seven dribbles per game, which is a lot. So he's a positive player. He, he takes players on. He can do that. He's got pace. He's got power. This season, he's actually averaging even more dribbles per game. He's up at about eight per game. Um, so he is he is a player who who can carry the ball, but what I what I saw in him was those physical attributes, but also that the the technical development he'd gone through, which I just think has now stagnated because he's not being challenged with first team football, and it was more about the potential I thought he could have reached if he had developed that technique just a little bit more, mainly in terms of his first touch in tight spaces, which I don't think he's being challenged to do. Um, I see him very much as a right winger or in a front two. Um, and I think those are the two roles I'd like to see him play. And I understand why he's playing the right wing back role. And obviously, Posh do give him a lot more freedom to get forwards from the role. And I think, as you say, his defensive game has come along a lot. So there has been benefits to that. But I think if we're really going to see him kick on, he does his best work in the final third um, when there's spaces to attack. And we need to see him in those areas more often. Um, yeah, I think it'd just be interesting just to have as a, as a, you know, everyone who talks about plan B, whatever, but just to have on the bench and to put up there. So if if things weren't working for a Smodic or a Dembele or whatever, then to throw him on and let him sort of, I don't know, pull defenders wide or, 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 or what, in, in, in the way that Dembele, you know, of late, especially the way Bristol Rovers was playing a bit more like down that left-hand side, then Kanu could almost mirror that up on the right-hand side as well. I just don't think he's necessarily like done with, if that makes sense. I think there's probably still more there, and I'd just like to see him perhaps like it might be it might be a solution to a problem that we didn't know we had in terms of Issa, in terms of Kanu might be someone who can come in and just offer something a little bit different in that final third. Yeah, I think I think the impact sub, I think he definitely has the, the characteristics to be a very effective impact sub, especially if you're ahead in the game, the game stretch and he does have space to attack. I think you think he can do that. 
Um, let's round off Kanu by answering Andrew's question then. Will Barker ever make it to the first team? I uh, will so Kanu ever make it to the first team? I assume he means as a first team regular. What's your thoughts there? Um, as like based on him playing as a right wing back now, then no. But I, I think if he if if we treat it much more as a final third sort of like wide right sort of winger slash I don't know forward player, then. I'm not sure regular, but I think he can contribute to the first team. So that's slightly probably sitting on the first te- on on the um, slightly sitting on the fence. But I do think there is perhaps a contribution there for the first team. It's just not perhaps in the in the positions that he's playing currently. Yeah, I think I think my take would be very similar. I think the competition he has in the roles he's going to play from Ward and from Broom is going to see his time limited. I think we'll see him in and out. I think he'll probably likely drop down to League Two. And then I think he'll, I think he will find his feet and become a very good League One player. If I was getting the crystal ball out for, for just because of the competition from Ward and Broom, I don't think he's going to become a first team regular at Posh, which saddens me to say it because if you'd asked me twelve months ago, I was re- all aboard the the Idris train. Um, let's go on to Burrows then, because Burrows is a player I think has improved a lot over the last twelve months. Um, I think one thing we saw from him yesterday was just how much he's improved defensively. Um, I got his I got his defensive duels numbers up from this season compared to last season. Small sample size, so I take it. Competition level, perhaps not great, I'll take it. But he's jumped from about 50% success rate in his defensive duels to about 80%. So against what's predominantly been younger players or players of similar age, he's absolutely dominating off the ball now, which is definitely a side of his game. He didn't have... I think technically and confidence-wise, he's come on a lot. I think his first touch is superb. I think he uses the ball better than he used to. I don't think he drifts in and out of games as much as he did. I think a lot of that was due to the role we played him in terms of that left central midfield role. I think his wing-back role suits him more than that role did because he gives a good outlet. He gives us good whip from that side. It lets him get forward. I think his best role would be as an inverted left winger. I think, like Carnu, he does all his best work in the final third. But unlike Carnu, he's really good in those tight spaces and at picking out a pass and making things happen with his, his technical ability and his dribbling. I also quite like him as a number 10 with freedom to drift either side, if you think of like that Marcus Madison role from last season. Um, what have been your take on, on Burroughs from what you've seen this season and, and last season? I liked him yesterday. I don't think his his final ball probably left a little bit to be desired at times, but I think um, he like we and him definitely benefited from. Uh, I think you said earlier on about how we overloaded Cambridge out wide. That was that was definitely prominent, or, or that was definitely more prominent down our left hand side with him and um, Fraser Blake Tracy linking up really well down that left hand side. I think he just looks. I think he looks powerful. I think he looks purposeful. Um, I was interested to hear your thoughts there because he didn't he didn't scream to me a sort of wing back as such. I thought he was he, he, he sort of looks and I know these are sort of intangibles and quite hard to quantify, but he just sort of looked like that what you've said there, a sort of like midfielder or like like because of his technical ability and how he's very confident on the ball, he looks like he could do some damage in the final third for us so I'm quite big on him I, I was quite impressed with him yesterday um, he's by no means the finished article but just the way he went about his game um, 
his stature, he didn't look like basically a youth player playing last night. He looked like somebody who could hold his own um, in the first team. Um, that might not be, you know, Saturday or anything like that. But I was quite encouraged by him. I quite like him. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you say. I don't think the left wing back role is his best role, but it's kind of similar to Kanye. I think there's benefit in playing him there in that he um, he has developed his defensive side of his game a lot. Um, I think he had nine interceptions yesterday, which is an awful, an awfully high number of interceptions. Uh, won eighty-five percent of his defensive duels. So he's he's a player who has improved on that side of his game. I don't see him at all as a central midfielder. I thought that position, the left of a diamond, didn't suit him at all. I didn't think he looked comfortable there. I don't want to see him playing there again or in, in a central midfield. Moving forwards, don't mind him in the left wing back role. Would like to see him play left wing. Would like to see him play as a ten. Interesting what you said about his final ball because that was my impression watching live. Um, I You've think got a load of stats to, um, to, to prove otherwise, have you? Not, not so much. Um, so seven crosses, too accurate. Accurate crosses isn't always the best judger of a final ball because obviously you can put in a very good cross and it, and it cannot be accurate. Um, but 29% accuracy, two out of seven is about average, to be honest. Um, I think what swayed me watching live was his last three balls were incredibly wasteful. But actually, the quality of his balls going in before then were better. So I think it was one of them whereby I don't think his final delivery was great, but I was quite harsh on it live as well. And watching it back, I think I was maybe swayed just by the fact of the recency bias of his final balls being poor. And that swayed me that maybe all his balls were. His crosses, his corners specifically, I think he put one or two good ones in, one or two not so good ones. Um, so that's definitely an area where he can become more consistent. But he definitely has the technique and he can put in quite a nice whips, powerful cross. He is capable of hitting good areas. So I think that's an area, again, still only 18. So that's an area we will see improve. Um, is he gonna? Is he gonna kick on and make the first team? Uh, yeah, I don't see any reason why not. Um, as I say, I've, I've, I think he's got a big upside there. Um, I mean, in his current role, he's got um, obviously Dan Butler's ahead of him, isn't he? But um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a bold enough statement to say I wouldn't necessarily be um, concerned about throwing him into that position if needs be. But obviously, Noel Mason came on away at Wigan, didn't he? When when Butler was um, cautioned early on but um i think i i think burrows can definitely um um get involved with the first team and hold down a place in some capacity definitely yeah i think i think he's one he's more likely to get chances in a 4-2-3-1 than he is in the in the wing with the wing backs i think for playing wing backs i think butler starts ahead of him blake tracy starts ahead of him probably broom starts ahead of him as well in big games before you throw him in there so it's very unlikely, I think, we'll see him play wing-back in a in a League One fixture this year. If, say, for example, um, Dembele got injured, then I think probably Broom comes in on the left before him. But then I think after that, it's one when potentially you start seeing him coming off the bench. He's won at 18. You can maybe get away with him being involved a little bit in the first team in trophy games, maybe the old cup game, um, and playing youth football. I don't think it's as pressing we get a loan into him yet. Um, but I think next year is going to be a key year for him where by next year, I think he's one who we need to get a good a good loan into him if he's not involved in the first team. Um, and I think that's some an area that Posh haven't been particularly great at, which brings us on to the last player, the player I said I think has gone backwards slightly, um, and that is Kyle Barker. 
Um, and this is not a criticism of the player himself as such. I think he's a player who is low on confidence currently. He's had a loan spell at Wrexham, which didn't work. I think he only had two substitute appearances and we're talking about him coming on in stoppage time there. He then went out to Kings Lynn, has not featured at all. I We were trying to work out if that loan's been terminated or not because there's been nothing official put out about that. But whatever happens, it seems as though the Kings Lynn loan has not worked out. That is quite worrying to me as Kings Lynn are a side who play with a midfield three. Um, and I think that's his best role in a single pivot. Um, so in the, it, at the base of a three, like we saw him in the diamond a bit last year. And also they're a team that have been dominating possession at about 60% possession. So it's a loan which should have, in theory, been good for him. Um, he's a player, I thought yesterday, the first 35 minutes, I thought he had a really poor start to the game. I thought his movement was poor. I, I wasn't getting on the ball. When he did get on the ball, he was passing incredibly safe. But most of the time, he was just standing marked. And that was really surprising to me because what stood out for me last year was his positional awareness and was his ability to find space and get on the ball. I thought he improved massively second half. I thought the turning point from yesterday was he had a really good battle with Tom Knowles and came out of that duel uh, with the ball. And I thought from that, that kicked him on. I thought his confidence improved. And I think second half, we saw him really, really spraying the ball around. He put some really nice long passes in, started passing forwards more, got the assist with quite a nice split pass. Although, of course, it was a worldie. So how much credit you give him for that assist, I'm not 100% sure. But still, to pick out that pass was quite nice um, in itself. My concern with him is his athleticism. He's not kicked on. Physically, he looks flat-footed at times. He was dribbled past quite badly twice yesterday. Um, and I think that's potentially why he's not getting a run when he's getting his National League loans, because he's not. He's, they maybe don't see him as physically ready for that league. Um, and again, if he's not getting minutes there, how he's not had the chance to improve in terms of his physicality and his athleticism. So that would be my one worry for Kyle. Um, how, how do you see Barker? Um, I agree with you on the first half. It would have been quite easy to not really even be aware that he was necessarily playing. And if you compare that to what a lot of posh fans would probably have seen of him, um, specifically say, or most high profile, you know, away at Burnley in the Cup when he came on and he just looked confident, he looked assured, um, he looked very comfortable with the ball at his feet. And considering the standard of opposition there, you were, we got beat that day, but you left with a little bit of a I don't know, springing your step around, you know, the future with this sort of player. And then, you know, you settle down to watch him say yesterday. And in the first half, it was like, you know, you wouldn't have thought it was the same guy. His second half, totally agree, got on the ball a bit more. Um, and you started to see a little bit more what he was all about. But I think he's, yeah, he's a difficult one because, like, you don't know if his confidence has been hit or not. But having those two loans when, you know, that would be, he'd have been presumably quite excited by those loans because you think, well, I'm going to play first-team football now. This is it. This is me on my way now. And then you just don't play. Um, so that would have probably set him on the back foot a little bit, um, which isn't ideal for a young player as well. Um, it's difficult because clearly the ability's there. We saw that away at Burnley. We saw it in the second half. So, like, he definitely has the attributes to play and to be a very competent sort of midfielder even if it's not a league one definitely sort of like league two level and stuff but um 
yeah, he's a hard one to sort of. I, I th- personally, I sort of find him a hard one to make sense of personally. Yeah, I think in terms of his confidence, I think the other thing that will shake it is that he was so close. Think back to, as you say, January last year. He played really well in the EFL Trophy. He was on the bench a lot. He came on against Burnley. He was so close to being in the first team setup and getting his chance. And then all these midfielders come in. And now you're looking at him at best being fifth choice for a central midfield starting role. That's going to that's gonna knock your confidence a bit if you're him, I think. Um, it's also interesting, though, that we decided to go out and sign those midfielders, though, as well, isn't it? You know, like the people at the club are obviously closer to it than, you know, me and you are or, or posh fans are in general. So the fact that, yes, yeah, for someone who looked so assured when he came on away at Burnley and, as you say, was tantalisingly close, I, I suppose, to nailing down a, a slot in that midfielder. And since then, we've gone out and signed Brown on a permanent deal, signed Taylor on a permanent deal, you know, brought in Broom, signed Smodic back on a permanent deal and got him on loan as well after the Burnley deal. So it's almost like we we knew what we had and yet we still went out and bought those, what, three or four players. Yeah, it's very true. And this is this is the the thing I've been I've been thinking about because for me I I I would peg Barker technically he he's more 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 than capable of playing League One. Probably capable of playing high already. He's got a beautiful left foot. His passing range is superb. His touch is superb. His close control is really good. But then, I think the the question mark with him is that physical and that athleticism. And for me, I think if he's going to kick on, he needs to play as a single pivot at the base of a midfield three, which is not something we're going to see him do currently at Posh because none of the formations accommodate that. That's when, when he's played his best, I think he's played at the base of the diamond. The player I can most like him to in recent memory at Posh is sort of Mika Hyde, whereby he's capable of sitting deep and dictating play, even though he's not the quickest and even though he's not the most physical. And that's the sort of player I think Barker will likely develop into I think he does like attack and I think he is he does like getting stuck in and that's a really positive sign. But he's just so so painfully slow to watch at times. And he can and he can be very flat footed and, and slow across the ground. Having said all of that, second half, the thing that really pleased me was how he found space in the midfield too. And you saw the short, sharp movements to get away from players uh, that we perhaps hadn't seen in the first half. And that was very pleasing to see, which leaves me very much on the fence with Kyle. In answering Andrew's question, I think he's either going to kick on and play at a higher level, or I think he's going to drift badly and struggle to find his feet because of the physicality of the leagues below and because of the pace of the game of the leagues below. And I really don't know where where I stand on him. 12 months ago, I was certain he was a future championship player at the minimum. And now... Following those loan spells, I I'm less sure. What what do you think? Is he going to be a first team regular in the future? Um, like with a lot of these youth players who have come through, like you hope that that will be the case. Um, I'm just worried that like we we knew what we had and we still went out and bought players ahead of him. Um, I mean, I've still got in my head watching him come on at Burnley, confidently sort of taking the ball off of Beavers or Reese Bennett and spraying it out wide and. You know, there didn't look to be any any worries or any concerns about him. So it's in there. I just don't know. 
you know, we're going to talk about who's going to play centre midfield at Crew, perhaps, you know, like on Saturday. And he's like, he'd be well down the pecking order, wouldn't we? Um, wouldn't he? Um, and yeah, I don't, I, I don't see, I, I don't see it in the current guys, albeit the player or his ability, like definitely can. But um, it just seems like circumstance or squad depth is sort of stacked against him at the minute. Okay, so um, we've been chatting for 30 minutes now and I think we've got to move the conversation on to what is perhaps the elephant in the Pete United dressing room, which is Moisa. Uh, Record signing when he came in. Clearly a fantastic finisher. Clearly a very good striker at this level. But there's something not right. I have strong opinions on what is not right. But before I get on to my little monologue, what, what do you make of Moise yesterday, Moise of post-January, perhaps even Moise pre-January as well? Yesterday, he... I don't know. Like You don't want to say that a player doesn't care or wasn't trying because that's that's obviously not true but his his body language you know specifically on the penalty as well I just he's just he just looks a player it's the classic thing of a player just seemingly lacking confidence his effort you know late on which he blazed over the bar when taking a touch and you know we were probably on a three on two or at least three on three late on um you know bigger picture there you know you can play in your teammate or you know take a touch whatever um He's almost like he's trying too hard to score. I mean, the first, what, the first 10, 15 minutes at Oxford, he was pretty good. He was bright. He was energised. He actually worked the channel. Um, he looked sharp. Um, and then he gradually just sort of drifted out of the game a little bit. Now, you can probably cut in some slack because trying to play the same way as we do into Johnson, Clark, Harris, and as we have done into Tony, into Moisa isn't going to work because he's not that sort of player. Um, so you can cut him some slack there, but he was he was dropping deep a lot a, a lot yesterday and against Oxford really, sort of between the lines. But I'm not sure he's necessarily got the technical ability to pick that up, turn and and spray the passes out wide. Um, he he's a bit of a head scratcher now, to be honest. Um, and it's hard to see him. Well, we spoke about it with Carno. It's hard to see him. He's not going to force his way into the into the first team if everybody's fit. And I'd say there's an argument that if a player of that front three that we would have was injured, there is potentially scope for experimentation with other players who could fill that void ahead of him. Um, so it's generally a bit of a depressing situation for him and one that we don't really want to see because um, it's generally just gone disappointing quite quickly with him, really. No, I'd agree with that. I think it is interesting that he... he I thought he made a very bright start, actually. I thought he was very, very good at the start. And he was doing, he was doing the things that... Fergie wants him to do in that. Fergie clearly wants him to drop deep. That's not Isa's natural game. That is a tactical instruction. Darren Ferguson wants Mo Isa to drop deep in between the lines, link play. And he did that really well for 10 minutes at Oxford. And he did that quite well for five minutes against Cambridge. And then he drifts. And then he looks to play almost a hybrid between dropping deep and playing his normal game. I have a lot of sympathy for him. 
in that he's being asked to play a role he is not comfortable with. I think I, he carries the ball and he dribbles really well. I think that side of his game is very much underrated by a lot of posh fans. But when he does that, he very much has his head down and will take a number of touches with his head down. And when he's back to goal, he will take two or three touches with his head down before picking his head up. So it means he's far more effective dribbling 1v1 and running at a defender than he is dribbling between the lines in a Dembele fashion when he will dribble and then pick out the pass at the end of it. His passing range is limited. He will, I would say, 90% of the time switch play and the other 10% of the time just play a very simple sideways pass. If he's got his back to goal, he's not got the awareness to check his shoulder and turn and face play as a Clark would or as a Dembele would. Um, but my sympathy with him is because he's trying to do these things when his natural game is to play on the shoulder of the last man, is to create space in the box and is to finish the ball. And those are things he's very, very good at. Um, you can see he's he's having to really think about every single touch and every single piece of movement that he's doing when really you just want to, if you've got him in the team, you just want to say, just play your game and expect the other player to link play. And sorry, especially last night when you've got Tazdemir next to him, who Tazdemir is capable of dropping between the lines. And Tazdemir is capable of, of doing all those things and playing with his head up and picking creative passes. But Tazdemir spent a load of time pinned up against pinned up against the centre-backs, which is the position you want Isa in. And Isa is trying to drop deep. And it just all seems a bit muddled thinking with Isa at the moment. Yeah, it seems, as you say, with those passes, like the safe pass, it's almost like he's trying to do the least wrong thing he's just being very deliberate and as you say you can have sympathy with him there was one there was one moment really yesterday which, which we had him in the right sort of position it was after about I don't know 55 60 minutes maybe just before the hour mark when Clark um, Flynn Clark had the ball and he tried to play him he tried to play Issa through and it was the first time that Issa had sort of was on the shoulder and went beyond the Cambridge back line and the pass was you know, just a little bit over here. And, it, and it, I think he ran through the keeper or went out of play and he just couldn't quite get to it. But in that little moment there, it was the first time that, even in the Oxford game, really, the first time that he played on the shoulder and just timed his run and went beyond the Cambridge defender. And in that little glimpse, you got a little hint of, yes, that's what it's all about. But we're talking one little moment maybe in, I know he started well against Oxford definitely and he had a shot and everything and that was fine. But ultimately that sort of playing on the shoulder and going beyond the back four or back five, whatever, behind the centre-backs, you're talking one moment in a in 180 minutes, really. Um, and as you say, some of that is by design because he's being asked to drop deep, but it's, it's just nullifying what, you know, if you want to give him the best opportunity and the team the best opportunity to thrive, then that sort of opportunity, that link interchange with Clark, that's where you want it, not dropping 40 yards away from goal and playing a sideways pass to a centre midfielder. No, yeah, 100%. And, and let's, let's, let's not get it right. He's at League One level, Mo Ice is an elite finisher. At League One level, Mo Ice's movement to create space and to get in behind is at an elite level. Is Maybe not quite as quick as you'd like him to be, but he, he can, he, as I say, he can carry the ball well. He can beat his man. But my, uh, Mo Ice's play between the lines is at a very, very low standard for League One level. 
And that is the big issue because that is what we're asking him to do. And for me, I've said this many times, good player, wrong player for the system. I think Posh didn't know what sort of player they were signing when they signed him because if you see his technical ability, which isn't so bad, you might think, oh, he, he, he can link play. Oh, he can drop between the lines. But he lacks that head movement. He lacks that awareness. He plays with his head down a lot. And he's just the wrong player in the system. Um, we touched on him. Let's talk a little bit about Tazdemir's uh, role at Posh, I guess. A player who I know they tried to loan out. And I was very surprised that they didn't get him at least a National League loan because he's done well at that level before. And um, I thought it was a very Tazdemir performance yesterday in that I quite like him in this false nine striker position. And I thought he had some really good moments and really creative moments. Um, but he, for me, he just struggles to take up enough good positions to get on the ball regularly enough to have a big impact on the game. Compare it to Dembele, who's constantly in finding space in between the lines. I thought Tazimir spent too much time up against the centre-back rather than dropping into space between the two banks of four and trying to get on the ball that way. Um, what do you make of Sir Hat? Yeah, I like in, the, in his fleet in first team appearances last season. I think there's plenty there to work on. He looks, he looks, he looks sort of like a typical sort of posh signing. He's quite an exciting person, and you think, yeah, well, you know, there's a bit to go with him, but there's definitely an exciting player in there. And then yesterday, sort of what you've said there, he, he didn't get himself involved enough. At times, it just looked like the game was passing him by, and then he suddenly springs to life um, and gets on the ball. He's, Technically, he seems pretty good. You know, he, he's he's very competent with the ball at his feet. Obviously, hit the bar, whatever. That was a really nice um, little bit of play. And then you didn't see anything from him for another, like, five, ten minutes. And then he sort of came back. So, I think, yeah, he didn't necessarily... For a player who, obviously, we wanted to loan out because, you know, the club obviously think a lot of. And so, without him, I know he's not necessarily match fit or match sharp, shall we say, if not match fit. These sorts of games are the ones... Are his shop window... For the first team, really, and I wouldn't say, like he wouldn't necessarily be top of my list if like Smodic or Dembele was injured for him to come in. You know what I mean? I think, I think there is a player there definitely. I just I don't know. I just want to see a bit more from him because you can sort of see that he has got that talent to shine. We just, I just want to see a bit more from him. No, absolutely. Um, I think to close Casemir, he's still young, lots of technical ability, needs more first team football, needs to get involved in games more. But there is potential there. But at the same time, in that number 10 position, he's got Broom and he's got Smolix ahead of him. He needs to get out on loan in January to kick off. Um, Flynn Clark, what a goal. Brilliant goal, wasn't it? Um, lovely sort of drop between the lines, pick up the ball, turn, run. I mean, to be honest, the Cambridge defenders sat off of him quite a lot, but he picked up the ball. You know, he found a lovely bit of space. He turned. He was positive. He was, uh, yeah, very positive. He, he was like, like full of confidence to even take that on. Hit it wonderfully. Brilliant goal. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you think about this. I don't know if I was a little bit generally disappointed with him slightly yesterday in terms of his overround play. Not that he was he necessarily played bad, but when you see a player do something like that, and not just the finish, but the way he got on the ball and the way he found space. He does look, and obviously, again, he's another one that the club really like and the confidence that they have in him by playing away at Hull. Um, I expect him maybe in those sorts of games to perhaps, if not dominate, to be, you know, being more 
being more standout other than scoring an amazing goal, if you know what I mean. And I expect his all-round game to be a little bit better, but he's a he's a he's a great talent, and I think he's really one that we can be that, that we can get very excited about. So that's very interesting. So I'm going to answer your question by harping back first to the whole game. So the whole game is a game whereby somehow the narrative has been Flinkart came on, played amazingly and transformed Posh's performance. And that's not how I saw Flinkart's performance against Hull. I saw Flinkart's performance against Hull as a player who ran around a lot, didn't actually contribute very much. I've got the stats to back that up. He only had 10 successful actions in the game. He made five passes and he won half of his duels. So he won five out of 10 duels. Zero XG, no shots, no dribbles, no expected assists. He was on the pitch. He ran around a lot. He didn't do very much. The team around him scored two goals and the narrative changed. Having said that, I disagree with what you said about his performance last night. Last night, I thought he was very, very good. Um, I want to contextualise that by saying it was hard for him to find space. One, because... I thought the pretty much the entire creative burden century in the final third was on him for most of the game with Isa and with Tazdemir, perhaps not getting on the ball as much as you'd want them to. It was tough to find space because uh, Cambridge came, they played very compact, there's very little space. I thought he did good job of getting into pockets of space. I thought he demanded the ball as often as he possibly could. I thought he passed the ball well and I thought he passed the ball ambitiously. And just the technique and strike for his goal was was brilliant. Um, I think the expectation around him is so high now. And I think that can maybe scupper our opinions of him because of what he's done in, in previous games. But yesterday, I thought from him was a really, really strong performance. Yeah, I've maybe fallen into that trap a little bit then in terms of expectation outstripping reality a little bit. Perhaps, but um, there was no question about his um, about his goal and how he found space for the goal, and that showed, I guess, like you were saying there about how hard he how hard he had to work to find space. But then when he was in space, he obviously made the most use of it. And I'd already mentioned about we'd already mentioned about his little through ball for I'm sure it was him who tried to play his through um, that didn't quite come off, but the, but the vision to try that as well. Um, I'm not going to backtrack necessarily and say I got it totally wrong, but I, to- but I totally see where you're coming from in terms of, you know, um, I'm, not, I'm not saying the club have built him up to be, you know, to be this wonder kid at all. But I think, you know, we get quite excited, don't we, when we see a really good youth player coming through. And he's definitely one who, you know, if we're having this conversation about, you know, um, will Flynn Clark make the first team, etc., then I think there'll be a unanimous yes. So um, there's just lots to be excited about, um, and lots to be excited about with him, really. No, I'd agree with that. And from one young, exciting player at one end of the pitch to one at the opposite end of the pitch, Ronnie Edwards. Hard to remember sometimes that he's 17. Um, Interesting one with Ronnie because, again, the narrative about his performance at Oxford was how brilliant it was. And again, I think when young players come on, we often really focus on them and dial in on them. And now I thought Edwards did okay at Oxford. I thought he looked really nervous when he first came on. A bad touch and a poor pass set up the free kick that Oxford scored the goal from. Um, and then at the, at the free kick, he lost his man. Not the reason the goal went in, but he was out of position. 
After that, he recovered well and put in a solid display. He didn't pass the ball as well as we know he can pass the ball because he is so good on the ball and he was a little bit conservative. He won his duels. He won a lot of headers. They were a lot of headers that you would expect him to make. If you're talking about that performance as a 17-year-old coming into a cup game on a stroke of half time, he was brilliant. If you're talking about that performance as any other player coming on at half time or just for half time, he did okay. He did well. That is my take on his performance at Oxford. Um, Cambridge, I thought he played a good game again. I thought he had some good 1v1 moments defensively. He still didn't pass forward as much as I would have liked him to. So he made 88 passes. Only 13 of them were forwards. Compare that to the Burton game where he made 52 passes, but 18 of them were forwards. I thought a little too often he was just shifting the play side to side, which is kind of a result of him playing century in a back three. When he's so good on the ball, I want to see him stepping into midfield, driving play forwards a little bit more often. Um, thoughts on thoughts on Ronnie? Yeah, I sort of for Oxford. I, I wrote down that he he definitely seemed confident, even if his play didn't necessarily. Um, deliver that um at Cambridge um at Cambridge yeah like that whole the whole back line I was like we were very comfortable just sort of passing the ball at the back but there wasn't much progression from those three centre halves and Edwards was sort of responsible for some of that really because he was that sort of anchor in the middle and all he did all he did was sort of just um keep the play moving across the back line whichever way the momentum of play was at that point but I think you've got to bear in mind though as well what he would have played into extra time with the youth team what the, the midweek before then he come on and played 45 minutes or just over 45 minutes at Oxford then another 90 minutes last night so for a 17 year old there's probably there might have been a little you know little bit of fatigue by the middle of the second half whatever yesterday I think look he's he's he looks a very um, he looks a very savvy pickup by us um, he's definitely a player to be excited about to have on our books um, he's got a very, very bright future. I think he's, you know, we don't, there's, there's no need to be uber critical of, of his play. And I think considering what he was chucked into away at Oxford, who even with them making some changes, you know, they're a very, very good team and he didn't necessarily look massively out of place there. Um, there's just a lot to be excited about um, with him and you can see him being one of our next big things, hopefully. No, I agree with that. I don't want to sound hypercritical. I think more the point I'm getting at is let's not overhype him. Um, yeah. Having said let's not overhype him, I think he's almost League One ready, if not League One ready. I think he's a future Premier League player. Let's give him space. Let's give him time. Let's not praise every little thing that he does because he has a solid display. Let's call it what it was. It was a solid display at Oxford. He recovered brilliantly from a shaky start. And that is commendable as well and shows resilience for such a young age. Um, but I didn't quite like the narrative of he was outstanding if we're judging him against League One standard, which is where I think he's at. I don't think we should be judging him as a 17-year-old defender. I think we should be judging him at League One standard. Yeah, I think that just to, just just finally on him, I, th I think one of his major assets is just his composure. Um, and whilst that could be a danger, you know, you don't want to be too lax. I just think he does look, he doesn't look phased by, I know you say that like he was a bit shaky when he came on against Oxford. He was, but I think overall on the balance of what we've seen of him across the two games, he doesn't look 
out of place at this level already, um, even allowing for the fact that, you know, there's plenty more to come for him. I just like the way he goes about things, even if, you know, there's 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 plenty of, um, you know, he's got a high ceiling, hasn't he? So. Oh, don't get me wrong. He's so classy and so composed in the book. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I would like to see him carrying forwards and doing more. And we have seen him carry forwards, doing more. And thinking back to that Burton game where he was just outstanding on the ball and his passing and his progressive passing. And he can thread a pass through midfield. And it just seemed like we were constraining him a little bit. The other thing I say on him, he's an athlete. Like, criticise Barker for being good on the ball, but not being an athlete. He is an athlete. And at 17, he loves to he'll throw himself into a tackle. He'll win his headers. He's, he's, he's got it all. And, and he's one to be very excited about. Um, one thing I'm going to pick you up on, which I disagreed, was you said no one in the back three really passable forwards. I thought Blake Tracy on the ball was very, very good. Um, I thought he was our main progressive player from defence. And I thought it was no coincidence that um, Burroughs had a good game because I thought the way Blake Tracy brought the ball forwards and, and picked him out and was, and was forward thinking was really positive. Um, and that's something I think we saw a lot in pre-season as well. I thought he was our best player in pre-season for a lot of the games um, in that he defended strongly and defended strong again last night, but was really progressive in that left centre-back role. For me, if Posh are playing a back three and Thompson's injured, I think he should be the one to step in. And I think he gives us a nice balance with having a left footer who's good on the ball, but also strong defensively on that side. Um, I understand why if we're playing a back I completely agree that Mason should come in at right back. But I think when we played Mason at left centre-back in a three, I think that was a mistake. I think it should have been Blake Tracy. Yeah, just to quantify that a little bit, I just meant that when we got into the sort of, not routine, but once we got into the, yeah, let's say routine at the back, we were quite, there wasn't at times a great deal of urgency there. And with Edwards being in the middle of those three, you know, I'd almost look for him to, at times take the initiative a bit and, and sort of forced the tempo a little bit. I just felt at times it was, it, we were very comfortable and that sort of perpetuated us just, just keeping it at the back. But no, you're right in terms of Blake Tracy, in terms of he was playing very high, wasn't he, for a centre-back. It was almost him and Burroughs playing little one-twos or little interchanges on the edge of the um, Cambridge 18-yard um, box in the first half. He was very high. Um, and, I, I'd, and I'd agree with that. I just felt sometimes we sort of, sort of fell into the trap of just playing quite a sedate pace across that back line. Um, but um, no, definitely played Tracy. I thought he played really well, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. The point about him playing high is a good one. He overlapped at the right times. He came inside at the right times. Um, the issue was that I think just with the changes or the changes at the back, at times Posh got caught out in his space uh, behind him when he was so high. Um, how much of that is his fault? I don't think it is because obviously the tactical instructions are for him to get high and he, he carried them out well. Um, definitely one I thought was a strong game. Last player we'll talk about from last night, Ethan Hamilton. Uh, one that I've seen quite a lot of before he came to Posh because uh, of various roles I've had um, and one I've always been impressed with. I got a real soft spot for him. I thought it a really game, good game last night. Uh, got some stats that I think back it up. Won 14 out of 20 of his duels. So for central midfielder, that's... A dominant display in central midfield, nine interceptions, which is incredibly high for a central midfielder, 47 out of 49 passes accurate, and most importantly, 13 out of 15 forward passes accurate. I thought he was picking out some really nice forward passes. I thought it was our 
most progressive player, maybe Blake Tracy, but probably in terms of the difficulty of the passes he was attempting going forwards as well. His big issue is sometimes he likes to shoot from 40 yards when he should pass the ball, and that's annoying. Um, but that's probably one that will have to be coached out of him. You said earlier who starts at Crew. I thought Reed was excellent at Oxford, and this is nothing against Louis Reed, but because Taylor's missing, for me, Hamilton has to start at Crew because he more uh, more closely represents the skill set that we're losing in Taylor than than Reed was. I think Reed's strengths is is dropping a little bit deep. He takes up some unusual positions deeper. I think he was infuriating Fergie in preseason because he wasn't playing high, but I think Fergie's just going with it now and we're seeing the best out of him and getting him on the ball. But in terms of having that driving force in midfield that you're going to lose from Taylor, I think Hamilton should start on Saturday. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I really like it. I really like Hamilton. I thought he, I thought he was good um, at Oxford. I thought he played well at Oxford. I thought he used the ball um, sensibly. I think his presence in the middle of that midfield is really good. Like he... he made a nice little inside ball to Reed, who then played the ball to Dembele for the first goal. Um, yeah, I think he's got I think he's got a lot of ability. Um, last night he was really positive. I thought he looked good when he was running with the ball as well. When he picked up the ball in midfield and he powered forward. I think that what you've touched on there in terms of that skill set, in terms of what you're losing at crew with um Taylor not playing and what you need to replicate nothing against Louis Root but picking up that ball in midfield and driving say through the midfield and into the final third that's something that just seems to come quite naturally to Hamilton um, he's left footed as well which is just a nice little um, bit of variety in there as well I like him I think he's um, I think he's an interesting little player and um, yeah his size and scope and just his presence in there I think at League One sometimes you know when things do get tough and you need to dig in and stuff he's he, he, he's somebody who can really add height to the uh, back line for set pieces um yeah and I, I, something just sticks in my mind yesterday when he picked the ball up in midfield and he just powered um powered on when he ran with it in the second half it was just he, he it, it, we quickly transitioned then from sort of being in our own third with the ball to suddenly being in the in the centre midfield into the final third with him with his long stride just taking us there so i think he i for me, I agree with you. It's a bit of a no-brainer that he's got to start a crew. Yeah, I agree with everything you say. I think he carries the ball really well. Brings dynamism into that midfield. Brings height into the midfield. The BBC's uh, Cambridge commentator said they thought he's not going to start a crew because of the fact he was starting this game. I see it the other way. I see it like when they play Smodix in the trophy in that they want to get minutes of, in him before a big game and I think he's going to start. Um, last thing we're going to very quickly touch on is a couple of players out on loan. So we didn't see them last night, but some young players I think is worth mentioning. Um, first up is Brad Rolt on loan at Brackley. Uh, two appearances so far this season, one start, one goal. A player who I thought was really impressive in terms of his work rate, but also his finishing and the way he strikes the ball with so much power and accuracy. The only player I can really think of who's a similar age currently on the scene who does that is Brewster. Um, which is a big comparison. But I think the way we saw something take those goals in pre-season with minimal backlift and really driving the ball into net, really impressive. Um, and then Sam Cartwright, currently on loan at Woking, a player who I am huge on, really, really big on Cartwright. Uh, I think he's a really strong defender, loves to tackle, but also really good on the ball, calm on the ball. His left foot's as good as his right foot is. 
He's done load at a Woken side. He's been on the bench a few times. He's been out the squad. He's not played a single minute. Now, Woken play uh, have averaged 248 passes per game in the National League and 45% possession. So it does make me question why we've loaned a ball-playing centre-back to a National League side that clearly like to get it forward and get it long. And again, one who I think potentially is having his development harm there. Um, and with Cartwright, I think he's one whereby we could maybe do with recalling him because I don't want it to be like Barker where he sits on the bench in a National League and it has adverse effects for his development. So I think he's one who uh, has a really, really bright future and one who I'd expect to be making that Peterborough first team pretty soon. I don't want to be sat here in 12 months saying that he's stagnated due to some bad loans and I'm no longer as hot as him as I was uh, 12 months ago. Have you seen much of Wright and Cart- Rolt and Cartwright um, at Posh and, and what do you make of them just to close the pod off? I, have, I haven't massively in truth. I know that obviously as you touched on Brad Rolt, he scored a, a load of goals in pre-season which um, you know, is great to see and it obviously gives us plenty to work with moving forward. So it'd be great if he could get some more games under his belt um, at Brackley. And Cartwright, as you say, it's just like, it's not difficult. To, um, sorry, it's not easy to find loans for some of these youth players and dropping down into the National League can be a bit of a baptism of fire at times. And so we just have to be careful that we don't, and I know the club will be aware of this, but you know, you don't want to blunt their development with a wasted two or three months uh, when potentially if they were back here training with us and playing in EFL type games, then EFL trophy games that, you know, that might be aiding their development a little bit more. So um, yeah, Cartwright seems like another player that for us to be excited about, but we, it's all about managing his progression and development now, isn't it? And so um, we just need to make sure we make some right decisions there. And we just need some loan teams to, 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 to play ball really, don't we? Absolutely. In three years' time, I want to see a centre-back pairing of Kent Cartwright and, and Edwards. I think that would be the best ball-playing centre-back pairing anywhere outside of the Premier League. And I think we need to make it happen. The last thing I say on the loans is I think it's commendable what Star has done in terms of giving the National League loans out for free and not charging a fee or not charging any percentage of the wages. But as you say, I think, therefore, you've got to be extra careful that these players aren't just being signed to fill the squads out. Uh, and for almost like padding out the squads and just to get numbers on board in, in a worst case scenario, I think if we're loaning these players out, it has to come with the contingency. If they loaned out for free, they're going to get on the pitch. And if they're not getting on the pitch, we're, we're getting them back and sending them somewhere else because Cartwright's one who he's at the stage, he's in his 20s now and he needs minutes and he needs minutes at a, at a high level and to be tested physically to continue developing. He's a nerver who I think's far beyond uh, development football needs to be getting get those minutes in. Right now, it is three minutes to nine on a Wednesday night. I'm going to wrap up the pod there and say thank you very much for coming on late night tonight and and having a chat about some of the young players and some of the fringe players at Posh. I really I really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, no problem at all, James. Yeah, really enjoyed um, you having me on. Um, it was lots of fun. And um, yeah, thanks very much. Great. And thanks to everyone who listened.